Your organic search is over. Here's Naturally Savvy with health experts Andrea Donsky and Lisa Davis. Hi, I'm Lisa Davis. Andrea needed to go, and we've got some great stuff to talk about with the wonderful Laura Theodore. We're going to talk about her book, Laura Theodore's Veganese. Hello, Laura. Welcome to Naturally Savvy. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, we're going to have a lot of fun. And speaking of fun, your book is terrific. The photos are gorgeous. And it really inspires people to try a plant-based diet. And that's something we talk a lot about here on Naturally Savvy. Now, in the book, you talk about how you and your husband moved to a lakeside part of New Jersey, I believe. And you were like, where are all the vegan restaurants? You're like, darn it, I'm going to cook myself. (laughs) So talk to us about that. Yes. Well, I've been cooking, of course, for many, many, many years prior to that. And actually had already been working in my first cookbook, and we had been working on the ideas for the Jazzy Vegetarian Television Show. But once we got out here to New Jersey, that was 12 years ago, I all of a sudden did not have a health food store three blocks away, Fairway, which is one of the biggest markets with, you know, organic food two blocks away. And I thought, oh, goodness, I have to really start... Uh, cooking vegan, but using all of the ingredients that are just provided here in our not-so-well-stocked local supermarket. And that's when the idea for Veganese was really born. Well, talk to us about that, because, you know, a lot of us, for example, I have a Whole Foods two miles from my home, which I frequent and get fresh stuff every day, and it's really lovely, but not everybody has that luxury. So talk to us about what can you do if you go to your market and you feel like the selection's not great, but you want to work with what you have? Well, that's what Veganese is all about. You just have to get inventive. Start realizing that there are substitutions and you know, in other words, if you are, if a recipe calls for kale and you don't have organic or fresh kale at your market, well, you can in many cases substitute a, not a baby spinach, but a regular spinach or a Swiss chard or collard greens, actually. You can even substitute that. You start learning that you can substitute with the fresh vegetables, with the fresh options that are available at your local supermarket. That is so true. Now, one thing that's becoming really popular or has been popular for a while now is quinoa. I made your quinoa and butternut squash paella. It is fantastic. And it has such that wonderful texture. And I think a lot of people think vegan food. I'm just going to have like a carrot and some lettuce or something. But it's so far from the truth. It really is. And I'm glad you brought that recipe up because, of course, quinoa, uh, the protein in quinoa, you know, relates to the profile of the protein in beef. You're getting your complete protein when you eat quinoa in the first place. So when you eat it, it gives you that satiating feeling that you might have when you're eating meat. And particularly in that recipe, I'm glad you appreciate it because what we were going for there is that it's a paella. It really cooks down, so it's very, very dense. It has that dense mouthfeel so that when you eat it, you're actually getting the protein, but you feel like you're getting the protein. You're having something very hearty, very delicious, and you really don't miss the meat. You know, another great one uh, that I haven't made yet, but I want to, is the mac and peas with creamy butternut squash sauce. Now, I know I've gone to butternut squash twice, but I happen to love it. <laughs> I love it. But what's so amazing, Laura, is that you can do so many creamy type things without any dairy. And I've been dairy free for years. So I absolutely love that. Talk to us about some of the other things that you can use, like cashews and, and, and you know, nut milks and things to make some good non-dairy creamy stuff. There are so many things you can make to make things be creamy. As a matter of fact, 
one of the first creamed soups that I did vegan was almost 30 years ago now. And back then, it was very hard to even get soy milk, let alone anything else. And what I used, a great staple for that, is potatoes. You can steam Mm. white potatoes. You can steam cauliflower. So when you're making a cream sauce, you can make the base of your sauce with steamed potatoes, steamed cauliflower, which you can get in any supermarket, and you just put them in your blender along with a little water or with some plant-based milk. And, of course, there's millions of varieties of plant-based milk, and you can use that for a basis for a cream sauce. Tofu, of course, in desserts. Once again, put into your blender, made creamy. That's a great substitute for cream, for eggs, for so many different things. So there are so many different things you can use to make things creamy. Uh, In my butternut squash soup, I use the butternut squash. You put that with some plant-based milk. You can also add potatoes or cauliflower if you want. And it becomes a very creamy consistency. I think a lot of times we think, oh, we can't have that creamy consistency without cream. But it's just that the marketing for cream is so heavy in America. That's what everybody thinks. <laughs> exactly. But there's so many plant-based things that become creamy. Well, I am coconuts for coconut, and I love coconut milk. Do you utilize that as well? Absolutely. We use a whole bunch of different types of plant-based milks in the book. And basically, we suggest that you use any plant-based milk that you like. But if you're going for, I think that's a great point, Lisa, if you're going for a coconutty taste, if you're doing Mm, a coconut vegan cream pie, for example, or if you're doing a cookie that has a coconut base in it, the coconut milk is always really great for that. And it's nice and thick, so it substitutes very well, when, once again, for cream. Yes, it really does. I want to talk about the jazzy vegetarian. Now, you're a much better singer than I am. You are a jazz singer. And talk to us how you marry these two wonderful things so you can do your incredible cooking. And also, we can hear your lovely voice on the show, which is so much fun. Well, thank you so much. Well, of course, my background is in entertainment. I was a child actor and a child singer. And when I moved to New York City, I became widely known as a jazz singer. I have six albums out there. But also in New York City, among my colleagues and friends, I became widely known as the person who always threw the vegetarian or vegan dinner parties because I was the only one that cooked vegan food. And so when the Food Network came to be around 1999, I started watching that. I said, man, we've got to have a vegan cooking show on television. So I really started putting the two together a long time ago. Originally, I was going to write a book that all the recipes were paired with like famous jazz songs like Duke Ellington or uh, you know Rodgers and Hart or that type of thing and then it slowly slowly came together cooking jazz really goes together and that's when the jazzy vegetarian was born that is so cool now people can see this on PBS absolutely we are in season 5 now we got a lot of great guests this season we've got Ricky Medlock from the rock group, Leonard Skinner. We've got the fabulous chef, Lydia Bastianich, uh, Juliana Hever, who has her own show on the Z Living Network. And it's all quick and easy, veganese recipes the whole season. And just go to <laughs> jazzyvegetarian.com, check the television schedule there for a TV near you. Oh, that's great. Now, I know another thing that you like to do is is make things that have not necessarily a meaty consistency, but like, for example, instead of spaghetti and meatballs, you can make spaghetti and wheat balls. And I saw you do that on the talk and the gals loved it. They did. You know, they were saying, oh, we're not going to like this food today. And they loved absolutely everything. And that's a great uh, suggestion for 
making meat, non-meat, the wheat balls, uh, breadcrumbs, mushrooms, and onions. You put those together, they have a very meaty texture. And if everybody wants to look, we have that recipe online. If you go to thetalk.com, you can get that recipe. And the wheat balls really are a lot like meatballs. Yeah, they are. And you mentioned desserts earlier when we were talking about the creams. What are some of your favorite desserts to make? Well, I love creamy desserts. And, of course, in the creamy desserts, I use <laughs> tofu, and I also use soaked almond, uh, soaked uh, cashews, excuse me, for a cashew cream. I really love chocolate cakes. We have a lemon cake in the book. I love a pot de creme. Desserts, everybody, I know you know this, Lisa, but everybody thinks that you can't make desserts egg and dairy-free, but you really can. And honestly, when I serve them to people, you cannot tell the difference. So if somebody is starting off on the path to a plant-based diet or adding more plant-based foods into their weekly menu plan, start with desserts and you're going to get hooked. Well, Laura, I'm hooked on you and the book and your show, and I think you're fabulous. And if people want to learn more, they can go to jazzyvegetarian.com. You can also follow Laura on Twitter at Laura. Is it at Laura Theodore? No, it's at vegetarian, for your I think. Twitter. Yeah, at Jazzy Vegetarian okay. on Twitter. Yep. At, at Jazzy Vegetarian. All right. Well, this has been fun. Everyone should definitely go pick up a copy. Laura Theodore's Veganese, an easy guide to enjoying a plant-based diet. You'll be healthier. You'll feel better. Thank you all for listening. I'm Lisa Davis. Normally, along with Andrew Donksey, she'll be back next week. Stay well. <laughs>